The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is the second half of a two-part series, and for the first part, if you're just tuning in or just finding this on iTunes now, you can download the first part from iTunes, or you can find it in the WebmasterRadio.fm archives. Joining us are Jill Whalen, Tom Craver, Miranda Miller, and Gary Suchak. Um, all content-focused SEOs, and we spent the last hour talking about, well, basically what content is, trying to get a vague, loose definition on the enormity that is web content. What I'd like to talk about now is where content's going, where the world of content creation and the world of, well, web marketing and web users are going. Um, it's, It's September 1st. 2011. So I, can't, I can't believe that summer's over. It's almost resentful that summer's over. And we're moving into 2012. We're also moving through times of enormous change in user behavior and in the way that we are creating the media, the media that plays across various mediums. Um, the way that we're creating content is changing and Moving into 2012, um, let's start with uh, the most experienced among us, Jill Whalen. How do you see content um, changing uh, in in search results, in Facebook, um, well, just in user perception moving into 2012? I think it's really difficult to say, you know, um, especially... Where with Google, um, what they've been, you know, they have been on a roll lately with with changing everything they're doing. So, it's it's almost anyone's guess at this point where it's it's going. Um, I I still like to say, you know, as much as things change in in our world, though they they stay the same as well. I mean, I, I, when I did an um, article at the end of the turn of the century a couple of years ago when it was turning to the 2010 and went back through my old newsletters and looked at some of the things I was saying about content back then, and it's, you know, there, it's still good today. And, you know, we, it, it sounds cliche, but it's it's the good content and, and, you know, thinking about what your users want. And that's the kind of stuff that's just never going to change. Um Sure, how they display it might change. Um, how you find it might change, but um, it's it it's in general, you know, if you've been doing good stuff, that's that's only that's going to be better for you in the long run, um, more so now than than in the past. Yeah, I've got to agree with that, Jill. This is Tom Graver calling, saying, uh, speaking. Um, and you're exactly right. The content. The message and, and everything has to be there. It has to be the same. Um, the the delivery may change. And you know, I I had written for Search Engine Watch at the end of of last year, saying where are things going? And and Google had made a whole bunch of innovations as they typically do in that whole May June uh, time frame, and and they just didn't stop through the rest of the year. And Bing started very late to play catch up. And and one of the things that I had said in this article was Bing would have to come out and start doing new things and and trying to differentiate themselves from Google instead of replicating Google's features. And and they've started to do that now at the beginning of this year. And and with all of their, again, I I think of OpenTable and all the other uh, ticket sites and and other vertical engines for for searching things um, that they've started pulling data in for into their search engine results. Now Google has changed the game again with you know, counting visitors differently with analytics, but more so to the point with Google Plus and how various other channels are popping up on Google properties. The message still has to be the same. The content still has to be solid, but the delivery is going to keep changing, and it's it's probably going more social and local than anything else in individual, you know, little or markets 
or little or verticals pulling things into other places and aggregating them, but the, the message still has to be the same. And just to tack on to that, too, this is Miranda. Um, I agree with both of you, and I think that if we're going to talk about where it's going, we have to talk about what's already happening and what's not working, because a lot of people are still missing the mark, and they're doing things like regurgitating whatever's been posted on you know, the popular blogs, to the point that if you search for information, you might see 60 or 70% of the same content. They're just rewriting it. They're not putting their unique spin on it. They really have nothing new to add. Um, so if you're just aggregating content from other sites, I don't. that's not going to work anymore. And there's still a lot of people trying to do that. What do you think, Gary? I'd have to agree. Um, it, it's going to get harder and harder. Um, and I think, uh, I think you really do have to optimize the message for the medium a little bit. Um, I know that Tom started in with uh, uh, with local and mobile. Um, you just can't go in long-form content on mobile. It won't work. Um, with local, you really do have to tailor tailor the message for, for hyper-local uh, language, for, you know, um, for, for spellings, for, for everything. So it, it really won't, um, you know, cut the mustard anymore to really repurpose content that's already out there. Well, uh, Gary, Gary, that's a cool point because local and well, and mobile are clearly two of the directions search results are moving, going into 2012, moved in 2011. Um, in that, has local search, and I want I want to look at content creation for local search specifically. At one time, content creation for local search was putting. Toronto SEO, Cleveland SEO, Baltimore SEO, Florida SEO, and the names of 20 or so other cities at the bottom of every page on an SEO site that you're trying to trying to optimize. This is one of the more detestable content practices aimed, aiming at local. I think that's over. But how has local search changed the way that you write for clients? Anyone? Yeah, yeah, Jim, I, it's Gary. Yeah, I definitely remember those days where you could just skew the results a little bit by adding those mentions of different cities and different regions and provinces or states and then countries, and uh, and that would work its magic. But uh, yeah, and nowadays, real estate you, you really found to, out about that. Yeah, <laughs> they found out about that pretty quick, and and there it went. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so so now what? What is? How do you write for local clients? I think you really Can have to, uh, you know. Yeah, sure. Go for it, Miranda. Well, I think you need to have someone local. You can outsource or crowdsource. You need to have someone there who understands what's going on in that area. So it's it's not enough just to change the words around. People still do well, it. How about it doesn't if you're work. for a national chain or a large e-com site. Yeah, in that case, you can find someone local. There are writers everywhere. You want to make sure that it's someone good. Um, and you can find good people in, in every area. I, I think it's important to, that's where the, um, um, your, your places page is, is very important. And for, you know, any address that you have that you claim that page and that you not only claim it, but enhance it, you know, make sure you put it in a good description, make sure you get the right categories and upload pictures, videos, anything that you can do, do, because those are getting the prominence right now in the search results for local. Has uh, the prominence or move towards local search, is that hurting national chains? For, for um, certain things it could be. Um, you know, if you're look, but but I think if you're looking to buy online anyway, then the local stuff coming up is is probably not really what you're looking for. So it doesn't matter. Um, but but they can certainly shove those in your face even when you're not interested in them. I usually set my. You can set your um, Google settings to just all of the United States instead of uh, having it default to your town too, which um, helps give you a broader um, search result. But of course, the average person doesn't know that. Okay, although we have, we have to assume most users don't do that. Um, right. And again, uh, I'm still still trying to puzzle how how the localization of search results and the personalization of search results 
affects national brand names, lar- larger size brand names. Um, if I was to type in Nike shoe, I'm as likely to get Nike.com as I am to get several retailers in my neighborhood selling Nike shoes. Um, does that affect how we write for clients? I don't know uh, that you can control it. Okay. You know, I don't think what you write is going to make a difference, basically, in, in that respect. The truth be told, the technology is kind of kind of driving this a little bit, too. You know, you can't log in. You can't even jump onto Google.com uh, signed in or not without seeing your location presented on the side there. And presumably, they're going to use that and what you type in, again, regardless of whether you're logged in or not. If you type in multiple things back and forth, it's, it's going to determine where you are, how you're, you know, what you're doing, and, and trying to give you localized, customized results. And you know, no amount of stuffing cities or towns or counties or, or whatever in there is really going to, to change that a terrible amount. You know, amount. I think I, I'm actually going to. This is Dave. I'm actually going to jump in with an answer here, rather than a rather than a question. I think it's something that we touched on earlier here. Um, we're, we're, when we're talking here right now, I think a lot of it's being put in context of of what we refer to as typical content, right? Cramming in the keywords into there so that we can rank for whatever fast food. You know, I'll list my city, Victoria, BC. Um, I think one thing we need to touch on when we're talking about local and, and the localized results for a lot of these queries, um, some of the big brands, and, and oddly McDonald's isn't one of them looking at fa- in the fast food area, haven't claimed properly um, their places, pages, and, and these sorts of things. And I think when we're talking about local and we're talking about optimization, having these dedicated pages on your site with your location, with the information about it, with your hours of operation, all of that sort of stuff, and then attaching them into your places page to say, here's where I am and here's all the stuff that you're going to need. Uh, I've seen, and I, I just did it right now, Domino's is doing a fantastic job, and they're dominating my area when I punch in fast food. Um, in my city, so they're a great example. McDonald's is showing up nowhere in the in the A to G of the results, and 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 I've seen that in other cities as well. So um, there's just an example of other things that we need to consider when we're when we're going forward and, and trying to localize our our search results like that. Um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with a question now. Um, well, I, I guess I should ask: Does anybody have any follow ups on on places use and and things like that, or or can I just run forward? Well, I got a quick question about around places and while we're on the subject. Um, is there specific content that needs to be created for Google Places? Um, I'll jump in with an answer on that one again. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I, I think there is. And, and the thing is, when, when we look at places and, and, and really anything to do with your, with your Google Google profiles just in different applications. Um, and I, I'd be really interested to hear if other people disagree. I think with places, obviously, you're going to need to get your, your keywords in there. You need to get your um, you know categories in there. But I, I kind of view it a, a bit like, you know, just drink the Kool-Aid, right? The more complete you make this information, the more complete Google can assume uh, the information on your site's going to be. Um, you know, and, and, and this is logical. If I'm willing to put in a lot of effort onto my, onto my places location in this example, I think Google can rightfully assume that there's a very good chance that once once they send traffic to my site, I'm probably going to be providing some good, pretty thorough information there because I'm obviously taking the time to to, to make sure that this happens. So um, there's, there's certain assumptions that we've seen Google make and, and when you have complete profiles with your keywords in them. Um, and obviously, and, and this relates to all of the, the review and, and social media areas, um, having those reviews in there um, is... is obviously a, a really helpful thing as well. And, and they do seem to be getting a little better as of late in determining what's positive and negative. It used to be uh, just peculiar where sites would rank really, really well with just a slew of negative reviews. Um, they, they do seem to be getting a little, not great, but a little bit better at, at determining that. But um, I'd be really interested to hear other people's experiences with, uh, with Google Places and Google Places and, and localized optimization. Yeah, I'll, I'll tack in there, Dave. It's Gary again. Um, I think there's a real opportunity for a lot of, uh, you know, mom and pop shops to get onto Google Places. Uh, for the most part, you know, I live in Toronto and the experts of Toronto. There, there aren't a lot of people who are local to me that I know about their businesses where they have a Google Place account. A lot of the time, I'm looking up hours of operation or uh, specials of the week and, and reviews. Um, that there are lots of opportunities out there, and I think uh, for the most part. 
uh, Google's been doing a good job of blending um, a lot of results together or finding things that are nearby that are on the map. Um, but we need to get the word out there to these businesses. But don't um, forget. And I think as SEOs, you know, that's that's our job to, to get the word out there. By the way, I love your business, but you're nowhere online. But that's just it, Gary, too. And we, we've mentioned um, mobile a couple times now. And, and mobile is getting more and more about local. You know, I'll relay a story, and, and those of you who have heard me at, at various conferences, you've heard me kind of relay this story before. My wife and I were going and looking for a new restaurant. It was like about a, a month and a half, you know, old or new, if you will. And she, we, we couldn't figure out where it was. And she's on her little Android phone going, well, where is it? It's got to be here somewhere. Why can't we find it? And the, the truth be known is if you're not on that places page, it's probably not going to feed the Android phones. If you're not in all these little you know, niche location places. And again, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's like your Yelps or your Foursquares or whatever, or if it's Google Places or, or Bing's, you know, business place page. If you're not there, it's not going to get fed into the little feeder places. You know, there's all these little, you know, thousands and thousands of apps in, in the various app stores for, for pick a phone platform. It doesn't really matter, dying or, or new and upcoming. You know, if you're not going to be found and, and people are putting their trust in these little devices that are only as good as the feeds that they're getting, then, you know, you're, you're kind of dead in the water. Okay, what I was trying to get at, um, and, and Tom, I, th- I think you touched on, on much of it, is, uh, you know, places, Google Places and pretty much anything that appears on the web to me is content. I think my definition of content is stuff I got to do. Um, and what are the most important pieces of content placed into a Google Places listing for, for local search marketers? Um, is there a way to write a quick description that's a, a winning formula, for instance? I think this is Jill. I think that the um, having reviews, especially of course positive reviews, is probably one of the most important things you can do. You know, once you've filled out all the fields. I mean, there's no, there's not. You can't say there's one great description that's going to um, get you anywhere. You you're sure you want to use your your main keyword phrases, that kind of thing, just like your traditional SEO. But I, I really think that um, reviews are a big key here, and and of course real reviews. You know, solicit your your list, your your local people, your customers, and um, see if you can get them to, to write them up there for you. Well, I think that's a that's a, sorry. This is Dave. I think that's an absolutely great point. And then you know, I think this is a, it's a lot like, and, and we've done some experimenting. It's a lot like really anything to do with uh, with Google, and in this case, even more so. And and in our in context of our conversation, what I mean by that is um, when we're writing our our descriptions. Um, you know, we need to make sure we have the keywords in there. Well, of course, the keywords are going to be in there because this is exactly what your what your site's about. So, getting your keywords in there, very similar to the description tag that you'd put on on your website, makes sense. But most important of all is making sure that these things are compelling to your users because these are the people that you need to get there. So, having a, a good uh, description that that uses your keywords but is compelling and is going to make them want to click through to you. Getting your images in there, and I we've had some. Fan Fantastic results with selecting just the right images, especially when they're showing up as well, just in the in the generic um, SERPs. Um, but choosing the right images, choosing the right images to be your primary image, um, if possible, getting your videos in there. Jill stressed the importance of of reviews. Um, I, I couldn't stress it any better than that. And and, and the techniques she she's mentioning are, are absolutely fantastic. Albeit, I've had a lot of clients find trying results and trying to get you know, people to actually do those reviews for them. Uh, you know, as we all know, the people who are upset yell the loudest, and the people who are happy just assume that that's what they should be and and don't bother to review as much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any specific point of that content itself on the places page that is specifically important. I think it's all important and having a good complete profile with as much information as you can get in there um, is is really going to be the big key and then having that content tying to your website content as well um, and and creating that relevancy between the two is is a further key but again these things should all be fairly simple to do because if this is what your site's about then that's what it's about you're only going to find yourself in trouble um, doing these things if you're trying to create places pages or whatnot that are different than than what's on your site or, or you you know you're not really uh, a solid entity and, and in which case really you shouldn't rank and you know good luck to you um so yeah i, I don't know is there anybody who'd like to elaborate or, or share their experiences on that one well actually the the, the people who get to elaborate next are advertisers because we've got to take a break here we're at the 20 minute mark of the second hour of this special on content on webcology and webmaster radio 
This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. Stay tuned. Back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. MySEOTool.com is your all-in-one SEO management resource. MySEOTool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. Line-by-line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOTool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. Try My SEO Tool risk-free today. Go to MySEOTool.com. MySEOTool.com. All celebrity voices are impersonated. Example number 21 of Dialogue. You will never find in our chat room. Hello, chat room. Look to your browser. Now back to me. Now back to your browser. Now back to me. Look down. Back up. I'm now sending you a JPEG to your keyboard. Me. The JPEG is now a flash banner. Everything is possible when you pay me to manage SEO for your website. I'm in a Ferrari. Need we say more? The WebmasterRadio.fm chat room. Live in real time every day. Click on the chat tab from our homepage. Open your windows for a breath of fresh air. WebmasterRadio.fm And hey, Mac, we're here for you too. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're rounding out our second hour of a two-hour special on content and content creation moving into 2012. We're joined by Miranda Miller, Gary Shukleck, Thomas Craver, and Joe Whalen. Um, and we have a question that actually just came in from the chat room. Before we went to break, we were talking about uh, reviews in Google Places, and I guess we were basically talking about user-generated content. And the question from our chat room is, isn't user-generated content dangerous insofar that it can be low quality and invite a visit from the pandas? Um, well, what do you all think? User-generated content, it's there. How does it affect um, well, Google Places, and how does it affect placement in general uh, when Google sees uh an amount of user-generated content, either through blog posts or reviews that are posted to a site or through Yelp to a places listing. I'll speak to that a little bit. Go ahead. How about Jill first, then we'll jump to Gary. Perfect. Okay. Um, I was going to say that it's user-generated content is fine um, for your website, like a forum, your blog comments, but it really does have to be moderated. Um, there's there's 90% of what people post is there for them to try to self-promote or get links and that kind of stuff. So I, I think if you're going to allow user-generated content, then you, you need to be really vigilant about making sure it's not spam. Um, other than that, it's great. Um, you know, It's going to be high quality because you're moderating it and making sure it's, it's good quality. Yeah, I'll just tack on to that. In terms of the local discussion that we were having just before the break, um, there, there's a lot of opportunity in reviews, especially if you have negative reviews that maybe are borderline spam uh, advocating a competitor. Um, you can really use that opportunity to flesh out um, and reply back to um, a user base, which is maybe a little bit skeptical about about how um, all positive reviews are not necessarily uh, down to earth. So if I'm looking for a local business, for example, in my area, I'm not interested in the guy who has a zillion different positive reviews. I'm actually interested in the guy who has a couple of negative reviews and has replied back to them um, to to address an issue. So I think it's a it's a huge opportunity uh, 
not only reviews, but including negative reviews, including uh, you know questionable or borderline spammy reviews, um, to to really build up your content even further. Now, good points there, uh, Jill and Dave, both of you. Um, and the only thing I'll tack on to that really is um, it shouldn't be your entire you know, content too. The the user generated stuff should be augmenting what's already there and again keep it moderated and, and keep watching for it. Um back in at SES New York uh, at the beginning of the year we were we Panda had just hit and and we were all talking about user generated content and thin content and there was a specific chat forum uh owner that we were we were talking to and, and that chat forum was completely user generated content. And one of the things after looking at it, you know for for a long period of time that the owner discovered was that there were several questions that were asked across multiple different forums and it was very similar questions and sometimes almost exact questions but all four and five repeats of that question had no responses generated at all so where sometimes you can't get around entire pages of user generated content like Jill said, managing it and, and watching it and monitoring it um, to make sure that it is moderated somehow is important. Merging questions together or or closing off the ones that don't you know exist or or even just you know putting a no index or a no follow on them to uh, to, to make sure that they don't they don't get caught by Google and, and looked at in the wrong light. Well, these are these are great some some very great points and. Uh, in the first um, of, of this two-part series here, um, Miranda, you had started sort of touching on um, an experience with, with airlines, and I think right now that makes a, a fantastic example to, to some of Tom's points. I'm actually right into the chat room and now going to post in an article that you've written. Miranda, if you can sort of tell us what the experience was, without naming names, the experience was with those airlines, and and how one was using social media and 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 responding versus um, you know ones that weren't and and the experience there, um, which I think serves as a fantastic example on responding properly uh, versus just hiding behind problems. Well, yeah, in that example, one of those airlines that I was talking about was actually Tom's experience when we were coming home from San Francisco. Um, and his was another example of one that wasn't really doing it right. But my airline, I tweeted. They didn't answer. I tweeted again. They didn't answer for two days. Um, why did I think that that would be a good way to get a hold of them? Because another airline that I had used several months before, um, we got out late and we were going to miss our connecting flights. So using the um, online internet, I went on Twitter and, and within about 10 minutes, I got an answer back. And actually, all the people sitting around me too, they were like, hey, that's cool, what's going on here? They just gave you your connecting flight info, so can you put mine in there? And then through direct messaging, we managed to get as many people's connecting flights as possible. So that was an example of somebody doing it right. Um, the other ones, I mean, when I went to write the article, I looked at the one who hadn't answered me, and within a few hours, I think it was, before I had searched them, they had dozens of negative comments, and they hadn't addressed a single one. So that's, that's pretty damaging to their reputation for anyone who takes the time to look. I'll tag on to that too since you kind of called me out both just now and in the article. Uh, my experience was was actually on both legs of my trip going to and coming back. Things were happening and um, you know one of those wonderful situations where the where the airline asks you, you know, who wants to volunteer to leave or frankly the whole flight isn't going anywhere. But the the ground crew, the, the people at the stations they had no idea what was going on in some of those cases and the message I got from what you would expect is the corporate help when they say, hey, we're checking into this, we'll let you know, was actually completely inaccurate and the exact opposite of what was happening. I got a, a tweet on my way to San Francisco that said, hey, we're going to, you, you should be boarding soon, maybe 10, 15 minutes, don't worry about it. And it was a half hour later that they said, um, yeah, the flight's not going anywhere, we need to reroute you guys on different flights. And there's a there's a big difference between you know, jumping in there and saying, hey, you know, here we are, we, we're, we want to answer you, we want to give you information, and giving the wrong information. And uh, either way is damaging to the brand to the point where as I was coming back home, one of the things that I had said to them as they gave me, again, more misinformation that was proven as it was coming back to my phone, was I basically said, look, I don't trust your information and I don't trust your brand any longer. And the, the even worse thing then is that they didn't respond at all whatsoever. Hey, we're all we're all content marketers of a sort, certainly content focused SEOs. And um, uh, Miranda and Tom, the the experiences you have, uh, well, 
we're, I'm hearing a lot more stories about real-time experience becoming marketing opportunities or marketing blunders. As, you know, our lives and the lives of our clients and brands that we represent are happening more and more in digital real-time, I just want to throw the question out to the entire panel. Is real-life, real-time experience, well, is that content? I'll jump in there. I think it is for sure. Um, and also it can generate other content. So you have someone who then goes and writes a review on another site or they Facebook it to 500 of their closest friends or they're like me and they're a writer, which is really annoying because then I'm going to write about it somewhere and I've just created more negative content about your company. So yes, what's happening in real time can have long-term effects. Okay. And most of that's most of that stuff is indexable too. And it's, it's sticking around, you know, whether it's a temporary window of sticking around or whether it's more permanent or whether somebody like Miranda decides to, if, if, he, if she would have included some of those tweets into, you know, an experience. But you see all over the place now where, you know, someone will post something they weren't supposed to post or messages get out and before they get a chance to get deleted, some other third-party site has rare. Um, and that happens all the time. That happens with leaks of information especially in the technology world, but it also happens with good and bad experiences where people just copy and paste and throw it in an article, and now it definitely is there forever. I think now, you I, have to assume there's going to be somebody around with a, you know, with a smartphone um, that at any moment could tweet about anything that's happening, take pictures of it. Um, you, know, you have to assume that these days. Well, I, I think they and Sorry, go ahead. Okay, um, I think that's that's you know fantastic advice, and I think every business um, could really you know pro or con. I know I've been in great places and, t- and taken pictures of, of things just to, to post on their Facebook pages. So I, I think that's fantastic advice and negative too. A, a subject I, I'm going to switch as gears here to to a question I think will be really helpful for our users to have such a such an educated and experienced panel um, to hear the answer on this. In a more moving back to a more traditional form of content, the 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 content on our sites or, or the comment, you know, for, for other sites or, or whatnot, where, when we're working on our own sites or when we're working on the sites of, of our clients, where do you get ideas for content? How do you come up with always something fresh? Um, I'll, I'll just leave that open to, to whoever would like to jump in. Okay, I'll go there. Being writer else sucks. Is. It's awful waking up in the morning, isn't it? Uh, it's it's hard to keep coming up with new content. Um, one really good source is looking at the comments in, in the content that you've already written. What are people asking? Um, was there a piece of information missing that they're looking for? Um, I mentioned before looking at how people are landing on your site. What are they searching for? And also going to your social media accounts and trying to to get feedback that way. And you had said before, Jim, about having a link and, and that most things you put out in social media have a link. I don't think they have to. A lot of times you can just be asking questions. And I have an echo, so I'm going to give that over to somebody else. <laughs> Another thing you can do is is um, looking at your analytics. Can, we, can you hear me? I, I hear a little echo, too. Um, but if you look at your analytics, and you can even filter out words like question words, like what, where, who, why, and see what people are um, are have, have found you for already for um, with those kinds of words and phrases, and then those can give you ideas for uh, additional articles as well. Is it better to, uh, with client sites, how do you get ideas or keep uh, a client site fresh with, with new content? Is it better to write that yourself or to get the clients to do the writing? Don't get the clients to do the writing. Don't get the clients to do that. Okay. <laughs> or you might have to heavily edit it, but they can, they can do some of it. If but I mean, you should have writers creating the content, whether that's interviewing them in person or looking at their comment cards that they're collecting at their physical store. There's a lot of different ways to go about that, and it depends on what kind of business it is. Yeah, that depends on the client. Some have writing teams in house. Okay. And we like those um. ones. <laughs> Moving forward into 2012, again, um, sticking on, on Dave's track with on-page SEO and on-page content, where's the most important content? Are we looking at the titles, the metas, 
dare I say it, the keywords, or the stuff on page. If we're looking at the on-page visible content, where on page is the most valuable space? Well, it's totally the meta keywords. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Bing is considering keyword meta tags, and I've had clients asking me about it. So, hey, whoever was writing about Bing considering keyword meta tags, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's um, not the keyword Where's the most important tag? real estate on the site right now for, for content creators? What what was the adjective? I I had a little hiccup there. Was it horrible or best? <laughs> best. The best. Where's the most important real estate? Anywhere around a picture or something that moves or is animated. No, seriously, ab- above the f- <laughs> above the folds. Uh, <laughs> ab- above the folds, certainly. Um, headlines. You know, whether whether it really is an H one or H two tag, or whether it's just some large print. Um, you know, you can, we can we can set the on-page optimist and the and the different hat colors or different lightsaber colors. I guess it is now on whatever you want, but some kind of front and center headline um, that stands out and and has some decent content around it. I mean, no one wants to read, you know, an 800 word, 900 word page necessarily. They just want to, you know, get the information. Somebody had said it in the chat room uh, in the last hour, actually. You know. The, the internet has made us all experts at skimming a page, and I kind of disagree to a certain extent. It, it all makes us learn to, to skim the page, certainly, but I don't know if we're all experts on it now, but that's what people are doing. It's We're, a, we're an ADD, quick, 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 gotta have it right now kind of kind of audience, or at least you know most of the internet is. So so somewhere up above the fold, definitely, and, and prominently placed. Okay, um, just got a message from the studio. We are moving into our last 15 minutes before we have to take another news break. Um, at that, I want to take another break here on Webcology. So this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, listen to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned. We're rounding out our two-hour special coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. As you know, being an expert at f- What did she say? Requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with f- Whoa! You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their f- performance to the next level. The language! Of course, we're talking about managing Facebook ads on Aquizio. Oh. Buy, track, manage, optimize, and report on media across all major ad networks. Visit Aquizio.com to get a demo today. Aquizio. Search, social, display, one platform. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Two, one, booster ignition. Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine-friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. Introducing Ascender Cart. Ascender Cart optimizes your shopping cart with easy-to-use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with Ascender Cart. Learn more about what Ascender Cart can do for you at AscenderCart.com. A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T dot com. Podcasting at the speed of sound. WebmasterRadio.fm. The flamethrower. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. 
commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. We're back here on Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. We are rounding out a two-hour special on content moving into, uh, well, moving into 2011, and we were talking about real estate on a page a few minutes ago. And I know Dave has just been chomping at the bit wanting to get a point in on, you know, on where's the best place to be on page. Dave, go for it, bro. Well, I, it's it's an interesting one because we're talking right now about about the actual SEO and, and the value of things on the page. Um, and, and Brian in the chats had, had touched on, on a point here uh, that I wanted to make, which is we need to also break it down to what are we actually trying to do. Um, are we trying to rank? Not really. What we're trying to do is attract clicks. So to me, the most valuable uh, content on the entire page itself is the title and the description tag. But without good titles and description tags, you're not going to get that click, and, and it doesn't matter how well you rank. So I would say, first and foremost, any SEO, direct SEO value aside, those are probably two of the most important. And then as the page as a whole, from, from an SEO perspective, we get into the overall relevancy of the whole thing, and, and of course, the user experience, and what does the user do on this site once they get there? Do they stick around? Do they read? Um, you know, um, Gary's brought up videos. Fantastic. Now you're holding your business you know, things like that. So I think having a whole um, connected environment is really what's most important. But the, the two things that I, I like to focus on and play around with the most um, are titles and descriptions, just to make sure that you get that click to begin with, because without it, your content's irrelevant anyway. <laughs> well, in many ways, although it could be argued that it's the content that, that got the title and description in front of the search user's eyes <laughs> in the first place. Um, and this brings us around full circle. Uh, at the beginning of the show, the beginning of the first segment of this show, almost two hours ago, I was trying to define exactly what content is, given that there's just so many different ob- types of objects and text we can apply to pages. And, you know, after defining what content is, I was you know, hoping to go to how to work with different types of contents and different kinds of mediums. But honestly, it's uh, there's just a proliferation of creativity and the ability to put creative works on a page. That content is everything. Um, so I want to do some rapid fire stuff. We're down to our last 10 minutes of the show. Um, Dave, you touched on it just a second ago when you know mentioning uh, the, the titles and metadata. Um, but I, w- I want to put this to Jill. Um, Jill, what's more important? Um, body text or titles and metadata? Um, you can't really say which is more important, uh, I don't think. I mean, you, your titles are certainly probably the most important in terms of SEO. Um, it, you know, for if you have um, keywords you want to get found under, uh, then you definitely want them in your title. You want them in the content as well. But the content, you know, I mean, the titles can't drive the, the, the content if the content's no good. So they, they really need to work together, I think. So I, I don't think you can really say which is better. You need them both. Okay. Um, Tom, Miranda, or Gary, when uh, putting when putting work into a client page, uh, or I guess putting rework into a client's page, where do you find yourself working more in the body content or on um, titles and anchors? Well, personally, I think you have to um, make sure that you're using all the real estate available to you. So if you're not using alt um, tags on your images, um, if you're not using bolded subheadings. And that's, you know, to tell Google what's important, but also to tell your reader as they're skimming the page what's coming up so they know where they want to stop and read. You use bulleted lists. They're, they're all very important. It's not, you can't just pick one thing and say, I'm going to do this really well and then let the rest of it fall apart. I think what we have to keep in mind, a lot of the times what I do with a client is re- work their paragraph text to ensure you know they're, they're using a lot of keywords uh, to begin with that are vernacular to um, what's being searched for. I think that there's um, there's always a, a brand uh, consciousness in the back of in-house marketers' minds where they have to use a product name or they have to use uh, um, the brand name uh, that they call it versus what everyone else is calling it out in the market. And, and just getting over that hurdle um, is kind of tough, but but the results speak for themselves after the fact. So, so I, I tend to focus on the paragraph content. And Noam okay. mentioned it, so um, I guess I will too. Uh, no, go ahead. If you want to move on, go ahead. 
No, go for it, Thomas. Go for it. No, um, just real quick. I mean, you you got to tell the client up front what you're doing, and you you've got to spend time on all of it. You really do. But I'm going to keep bringing it back to the the mobile and the local, where. You know, a lot of that rich snippets, uh, whether you, again, whether whatever schema you use per se, you've got you've got to get that in there. You've got to make sure you actually get the the, the rich metadata in there. And it's not like the meta tags per se; it's, it's just that the the rel text to make sure you tell the engines and tell all the feeders what's going on and what each page is about, so they can tag it all properly and, and get you in the right places, not just on the search engines, but everywhere else you have to be. Okay, um, it's said that we live... We've mentioned uh, Panda several times. Panda, for those who... I can't imagine anyone listening to the show doesn't know, is uh, a long, many-parted Google Algo update. Um, I imagine Panda's been very good to all of you. Uh, that yes, no? That was a conversation no? killer. <laughs> In terms really? of business, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Good, um, good to us, sure. Good to our clients, probably not. Oh, interesting. Um, there are two people here who have no idea what the heck we're talking about. Oh, yes, <laughs> sorry. Guys, right, sorry. Uh, you guys were going back to your book experience, indeed. Um, I've always come from uh, from Jill's school of thought on content. Pandas was wonderful to me because it's always rich, deep, well written. Uh, hopefully long-term product descriptive content. Um, the question I wanted to ask, though, are we living in a post-Panda world, or are there more content-focused updates to come in this, what appears to be a set of algorithm updates? The trend right now is is that there's something coming down the pike every, like, six weeks. It's a, it's a cyclic kind of thing. And and if you go back and look all the way back to the last week of February when it first hit, um, that seems to be following a fairly regular pattern. So is there more coming? It would appear so. History says so. But, uh, you know, like anything else, Google can change their mind in a heartbeat and and decide to to drop something else depending on what they feel like this week. Okay. Well, the original target of Pandas seemed to be content farms, um, the the, the large article factories. Now we know that... that, uh, Google is going after scraper sites, um, and I'm sure you've all had your uh, experiences with scraper sites. Is there a pattern here? Um, is uh, is Google showing its hand on the types of content it wants to eliminate from its engine? I'm I've gone on record saying this, and I think um, I had my tour of Google a few weeks ago, and they didn't, you know, try to hide me and shove me under the Android things on the front lawn. So um, I'm going to keep saying this. I think Panda seemed to be, for, for my two cents worth, a knee-jerk reaction to what Blucko was doing, calling them out on, on scraper content and, and light content. Going back to your question about, about the scrapers now, I still, yeah, yeah. Think, I, I still think Google doesn't really quite get it. And I think the whole schema.org consortium thing was to try to get us to do their work for them, like usual and and basically have us label our content <laughs> label our authors and and throw the well i'm sorry i'm i'm you know somebody had this twitter conversation with me today i don't sugarcoat anything i i call it like i see it but it really seems to me that you know whenever google has something they really need to do they just throw it out there for the webmasters and the seos and says here here's a new tool that we want you to use to tag stuff and, and make us read it better and that's that's essentially what their history has been so this whole rich you know snippet stuff is really all about label the authors show us that you were the first ones out there and we'll try to get the scrapers and and then this is where my two cents comes in big time is because we have no idea how to figure that out for ourselves i kind of want to jump in here (laughs) i want to jump in there and now they have the the reporting you know you can report a scraper site you've always been able to report a scraper site um you can file the is it a dcma but they have to actually follow up on it. And Google doesn't do that. They don't let you know if the site's been penalized. They don't, they don't even tell you that they've looked into it. So if they want us to do the work of reporting these sites, I think that they need to start engaging people and letting them know what the outcome is. No, you can go and use site colon, and you can look them up after you report them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we're doing the work again. I'll, I'll, I'll fall off the soap. <laughs> Okay, so 
Um, we're down to our last five minutes. Um, you know what? I'm going to dispense with any other questions I have. Um, one minute each. Quick words of advice for content creators out there going into 2012. I'm starting with Jill. As what should content creators be focusing on in, I guess, 250 words or less? <laughs> um, I'd say you have to focus on what it is your target audience wants. So I think the important thing is to actually know who your target audience is. And surprisingly, many um, companies don't know that. So, you know, that's the first step. Uh, know who your target audience is and what they would be looking for. I would say do that first before anything else. Tom Kramer? Wow, I, there's, there's not much more I can say to that. You know, know, know your audience, write for the right channel, um, make sure it's quality, make sure you have a conversation if it's social, and, and I'm going to stay on the same theme of make sure you mark it up properly with the rich snippets so that it can be fed into all the other aggregators that are out there. Miranda, moving into 2012, what are you looking at? Um, I think we have to look at um, content SEO as a long-term strategy. So it's more than just what you're doing on the page when you're creating a piece. Um, you need to be promoting it, linking back to your older pieces. Um, just keep it relevant. Have it build authority over time. Okay. Gary Shuchuk. I'm going to say look at the money. Look where the money's coming in. If you're not uh, – <laughs> if you're putting – Oh, it's true. If you're putting a, a lot of time and effort and dollars behind uh, behind your SEO, um, then make sure that you're measuring the outcome. Uh, there is an ROI to everything, including your time. So um, I would look to what's generating money, leads, um, conversions, upsells, and retention. Dave? Um, well, you know, I, I think um, Gary's brought up a, a good point when you're doing your, your main focus on, on content, which is, yeah, you need to look where the money is. Um, you know, Miranda brought up some good points in, in regards to sort of the social signals. I think we need to also look when we're generating content at how do we get uh, good, unique, uh, quality links. Uh, and so I think that's, a, to me anyway, one of the keys that we need to look at is, is generating this content. And I think a lot of us have blogs for exactly that, generating the content that's going to drive the links in. So uh, I think that's something we need to keep, keep in mind as well as we go forward in generating content. Okay. Wow. That, you know what? We just generated a lot of content. That was um, <laughs> two hours. <laughs> two hours. Those are brutal. Um, okay. On behalf, uh, the, 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 after the first hour, your brain sort of turns to mush. Um, Jill Whalen, Tom Craver, Miranda Miller, and Gary Chuchuk, all of you, all four of you, thank you so much for taking uh, two hours out of your day to join us here on Webcology. Uh, friends, you've been listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm, our two-hour content in 2012 special. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Stay tuned. SEM Synergy with Bruce Clay and the gang are coming up right after these messages. <laughs> 